I float around the house on the loneliest days like an old lost ship. It's amazing what you can recall when recall is all you've got. It feels more real than reality most of the time. The slide of the bathroom door followed by the clink of the lock, the creak on the fifth stair, the photo of Louise above the hall table. Well, we're out in the back garden. It's been a very hot day. First hot day really of the year. Maybe yesterday was the first hot day, second hot day of the year. Third. What, third? This is the third hot day. The third hot day of the year, there you go. The third hot day of the year. And we're hoping that the next door neighbour's lawnmower will not start again and interrupt proceedings. But we're going to pause it, or in fact stop it, if it does. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. This is a getting better acquainted extra with Jen. Hello, Jen. Hello. Now, Jen is my girlfriend. We should say that up front because I don't think we we didn't make that clear in our first episode straight away. And it's best for people to know. You don't like the term girlfriend, though, do you? No, but that's not a conversation for now. I'm not saying it's a conversation <laughs> for now. It's funny, isn't it? How stop looking at my notes. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? How sometimes you find yourself doing something you didn't expect to do creatively in a night like earlier on i was playing my songs practicing for stand-up tragedy and i started writing a song and i wasn't expecting to write a song it wasn't convenient but it was happening so i had to do it and then we had dinner and we started having a conversation and we weren't intending to record a conversation sorry about the noise that's all right don't worry that's the neighbour. We weren't intending to record a conversation, but you asked me a question. And it made me realise something that I didn't know before. What you said, and the thing was, when you said it, I thought, I should tweet that. But now I don't have to, because we're having this conversation. So, what did you ask me? I asked you if you had ever experienced sleep paralysis. And I was going to tweet... Jadamthwaite, colon. Have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? And then I was going to put something like living with <laughs> life in our household or something. After dinner conversation in our household. Would have been a good tweet. Yeah, it would have been quite a good tweet. I said no. You told me a few things. What was it, the statistic about? Paralysis? Uh, I think it's 40% of people. I think it depends what study you read, but. Roughly 40% of people have experienced sleep paralysis at least once in their life. It's actually it's more common among narcoleptics and there's relations to different mental health problems and stuff that can make it more likely. But the average person has, apparently, 40% of them have experienced sleep paralysis. And then I said, what is sleep paralysis? That's my question to you now, Jen. <laughs> sleep paralysis is a state when either REM sleep is interrupted or when REM sleep is just beginning, when you are conscious but your body is paralysed. It's often got caught up with folklore, so it's where the incubus and the succubus things come in. Oh my God. 
Oh my god, I can't believe I never realised this. Because that's my dream. What is your dream? That's my dream that I had when I was a kid. So I'm lying in bed, and I've got, I must have told you about this dream. I must have done, because we do talk about pretty much everything. You probably have. I I will maybe realise that you Okay, so I'm lying in bed, and I've got the duvet pulled up. People can't see what I'm doing, but I'm kind of motioning the duvet, pulling apart the duvet and looking out through the crack in the middle of the duvet. And my door is in my view in my bedroom, and everything's like my bedroom. So it's like exactly the same as my bedroom. And my door opens and this kind of vampire, I think, it doesn't, it's, I don't know if it's a vampire because I don't think it had teeth. It's like a kind of vampire-like presence. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sort of sinister, white-faced, dark, clothed thing. Yeah. And it moves towards me closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to me. And I know that if I don't wake up, if I don't wake up, it's going to kill me. I'm going to die. And, 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 and it gets closer and it's closer. And I've got to wake up, I've got to wake up, I've got to wake up. And then I would wake up. And I would be in exactly that position under my duvet looking out at the crack through my so- room. So it was like this thing... Like, I know I'm dreaming, so I guess it's kind of lucid dreaming a bit as well. I think it it could just be hypnagogic sleep, which is where you get emerging of reality and dream. So, like, when you fall asleep in the afternoon, and you maybe fall asleep for probably less than a minute, but you have a really vivid dream, and sometimes it, it merges with reality. So you might hear a doorbell ring, and it is amplified, and you'll be aware of it, but it will somehow go with your dream state, and it might take on another characteristic in the dream but in that state you're not physically paralyzed necessarily okay if but you, i couldn't move but you're aware that you couldn't move yeah yeah well, i guess so though. i couldn't move i couldn't move at all i couldn't reach my arm out i couldn't do anything it's getting closer the only thing i can do is wake up i can't even close the i can't even close the duvet i mean it was a repeated dream it was like an a repeated nightmare and it was always the same figure yeah that was interesting. This was in North Wales before Coventry. This was this was in North Wales when I was a happy young boy in the countryside. I don't know why I had this repeated traumatic dream because that time in my life was really great, but I did have that traumatic dream then. Well, I don't think that necessarily I wasn't, signifies anything. I didn't have tension in my life. I wasn't uh, well, I stressed. But it's oh, a but this is where the, um, the, the incubus thing comes in because that, that is exactly like that. It's like a demonic kind of figure yeah. that is present in these dreams and, and people describe like their, their room being exactly the same everything's normal, they can see everything normally as they would except that there's this one weird thing what the incubus does is it sits on your chest yeah. so that you've got a weight pressing down the combination of not being able to move hence the feeling of being pressed down and this this nightmarish horrific figure incubuses are the boys and succubuses are the girls yeah yeah and there's a sexual thing, wasn't there, sometimes? Yeah, not about always. About su- su- succubuses. And incubuses. And the tokolosh and all sorts of Toc- other... Yeah, the tokolosh. <laughs> there's loads of them. They're all, for, for all different cultures, have got different versions of it. And the old hag is the other one. What's the tokolosh again? It's the South African. South African My friend one. Vaughan is into it, who's been on Getting Better Acquainted. Into it is, is what you want he to is. say. He is. He's really into the idea <laughs> of it. He likes the idea of it. He wrote a song well, about that's, it. Well, that's a very South African myth. creature, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember the details about it, annoyingly. 
but it has sex with you or something. Mm. It's under your bed. And uh, people used to prevent against it by building their beds up high because this creature was small. They, they thought that if you slept high up, that it wouldn't be able to get to you. Yeah. I was reading that recently. I should know about the Tokolosh. I should remember that information. I wrote a rap about the Tokolosh <laughs> to fit into Vaughan's song. I should have. Why don't we retain this information? Like you know all of this information at the moment because you're just researching <laughs> it for your novel. But if you ask you in five years, I bet five you'll, minutes. No, you 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 know that hyp- hypnagogic stuff. And you haven't just read that. No. You you you're really interested in dreams, though. You've been interested in them ever since I've known you. Yeah. So I was visited by an incubus. Well, yeah, or something like that. But it wasn't pressing down on my chest. It wasn't sitting on you, chest, so it wasn't though. an incubus. No, so it, it, was just, it was just a hallucination. Just a hallucination. <laughs> I don't mean just a hallucination. I mean it wasn't an incubus. <laughs> oh, I thought I was having a profound realisation. But it's interesting, though, that you did actually have uh, sleep paralysis. Yeah, I think it was sleep paralysis. So the reason I asked you the question was actually because I wanted to know how that physically feels. Okay. Well, I was very young when it happened. It was kind of... I mean, I found it very panic attacky, as a because I've had panic yeah, attacks afterwards. That's apparently quite related as a to panic. Older person, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it is because you can't move. You can't move. Like it, it, it must be like. I mean, I've heard of people having experiences when they're really stoned or whatever, where they feel like they can't move their body at all. Hmm. Well, so I reading one of the 18th century authors. I don't know who it was. Was it 18th? Yeah, it might not have even been 18th century. Maybe it was Coleridge. It was one of the heavy opium smokers anyway. They experienced sleep paralysis a lot. And apparently it was something that went along with that quite With the drug stuff. Yeah. Your body can't move, that's the thing. Like, and that's quite a scary, scary thing. Apparently people who are prone to panic attacks were more likely to have had sleep paralysis. Is it related to cartilapsy? Apparently people who suffer from narcolepsy are more likely to suffer from sleep paralysis okay I think I don't know a lot about this but I think cartilepsy and narcolepsy are they're related cartilepsy is when you uh, fall asleep but you don't actually fall asleep like you're standing up you're conscious no you're not conscious you're there yeah but you're gone in your head but you're still awake narcolepsy is where you actually fall asleep and so you fall asleep and you fall down or you've you have to actually be asleep but cartilepsy means that you can be talking to someone and they might have fallen asleep in the middle of your talking and then come back it's a bad thing for somebody who's talking to me because I'll go off on a monologue and they'll have fallen asleep and then they'll come back in and they won't know what the hell's going on Owen had had cartilepsy for a while I think Mm. he said I should ask him if I ever do a second conversation with him I should ask him about cartilepsy cartilepsy is interesting so yeah I can't I don't know I can't think of a can't remember that much you're just panic attacky what, what, you spe- what do you think it would feel like? What do you know well, about Everything it? I've read about it goes with that. People talk about feeling suffocated, extreme fear, sometimes an awareness that they are asleep, but that doesn't get rid of the, the fear of not being able to move again. The, this thing about the weight pressing down on you. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like there was a weight going on in my dreams, in those in those dreams. Does, why do people have these dreams? Why did I have that dream? Well, I don't know about that. Why though? <laughs> why, why, what in your reading has, has, has suggested? What like what are the factors that well, people think are related to it? 
What are you talking about? The hallucination or the whole experience? Why is it a hallucination? I was asleep because I had to wake up, so it was a dream. You're not completely asleep if you can see the whole room, can you? And if you're aware that you can't move, you're not completely asleep. But that's a lucid, that's a bit like lucid dreaming, Well, except it's not because you've not got any control. If it was lucid dreaming, you would be able to change things. I guess it's a step towards lucid dreaming. Yeah, I could change things because I could wake myself up. And I knew I was asleep. So wait, you started off being asleep and then you woke up in the middle of this experience? No, I, I don't remember how it comes, right? I just remember it being there. So I'm there and it's happening and I know I'm asleep. And I know that it's not real. And the only way to wake up is to open my eyes. But do you? Yes. And what happens when you do? You can't move. I'm exactly where I was. No, oh, I, can't, awake. I, I can't move when he's coming closer towards me. But you can move as soon as you open your eyes? Yeah. So I'm, I unparalyse myself from my sleep paralysis, I guess, by opening thing. my apparently eyes. Apparently you can still see movement in the eyes, that's the only thing that isn't paralysed. Also, apparently the reason that sleep paralysis happens is because you are slightly interrupted in REM sleep, but REM sleep paralyses you so that you don't act out your dreams. So it's a preservational thing, but the problem is that you don't, you're not normally conscious during that period. Okay, because you need to be paralysed so you don't sleepwalk or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I mean, sleepwalking's a crazy thing. I listened to a, a story on a podcast today about somebody who went to sleep in a house, with, uh, slept over at a guy's house for the first time, went to sleep after, the, uh, uh, you know, after mm. whatever, and then she had a dream that she was trying to look for the toilet and she was going through all of these metal doors and she woke up and she was outside in an apartment oh completely goodness. naked in the middle of the night not knowing which apartment was the one she came out of and dying for the toilet so i guess i guess sleepwalking is kind of the opposite thing happening where that thing doesn't function where the paralysis isn't functioning properly yeah so you're in REMs. i don't know this is entirely i haven't read anything about this this is Hypothesizing. So what's the hypothesis? I, am, I suppose that it's the opposite. It's that you are in REM sleep, but the thing that isn't functioning is the paralysis, which you need to stop you from finding yourself out in a strange apartment block in the middle of the night. Yeah. It's interesting that we need to, our, our dreams need to paralyze us in order for us to be, to not kind of act them out that's a strange and interesting thing yeah I mean you don't think about that very often have you ever had sleep sleep paralysis that's why I was asking you I don't think I have you didn't ever manage to lucid dream did you no oh god those were the days no I got close but not every night what were you doing every night well I wasn't really trying to lucid dream at that time I was just interested in I still am interested in the concept I will actually try and do it sometime but what I was actually trying to do was influence my dreams. Oh, that's right. And that did have some... That did work, didn't it? To an extent, it did. Why were you trying to influence your dreams? What was the point of that? What does that mean? I was just trying to see if it was possible, really, because of something I was writing. I wanted to know if you looked at something, a painting, was what I was looking at, for long enough before you went to sleep, would that painting come into your dreams? And mostly I found that it didn't, although there were a couple of times where it did. But then it wasn't really a fair situation because it, it was hard to it was hard to do with someone else 
in the in same the bed. God, yeah. yeah. Well, it was annoying for me. Like, I'm trying to sleep, and you're like staring at a blooming picture. And I didn't want to be talked ages, to. And, yeah, yeah, I couldn't talk to you after I the lights. I didn't want to be talked to in the morning either, because otherwise I wouldn't have any chance That's of remembering right. the dream. So I basically so. couldn't talk to you. Uh, it didn't work for. A, in th- I mean, when we try, when you try it again, you're going to do it in a different room, and yeah. I think we'll both be happy with that <laughs> yeah. decision. Yeah. I mean, I'm not very good at not talking at the best of times, but when I know I shouldn't, it makes it even harder to well, it also meant to that deal I wasn't with. It means you're stressed. Trying to focus and you're stressed. And it's just I'm worried about if I'm going to speak, and then if I do speak, I feel really stupidly guilty. I still think in theory it should work. No, it's a good idea. Conditions have to be. Uh, you weren't. Were right. you trying to solve problems in your sleep? Did no, you, you did that not really. I, I was interested in whether that would happen, but I, really, what I was just aiming to do was just get these pictures into my dreams. And you had it a few times. Yeah, I, I think I had it once with uh, Monet's poppies near Ashnoy. I don't know if I've said that right. I don't know how that's. But say I that think word. the. I think the. I think I did have. I can't remember whether it was. I had a dream with poppies in it, or I had a dream in a field with flowers that weren't poppies or something. I'm not. You wrote sure. it down, I think, at yeah, the time. I did. So it will I be did. there. But you, you like. You remember dreams, though, don't you? When you wake up in the morning, you're always often. telling me your dreams, which yeah, are generally very strange. I hardly ever remember my dreams. But when I do, they're, pr- they're pretty weird. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, dreams are Yeah, yeah. But you remember your dreams, in the morning at least. Often, yeah. Yeah, I'm always jealous of that. I feel like, I feel like it says something about me if I don't dream enough. It was like I'm like some deficient in some it's kind of imagination. It's not that you don't dream in it. Imagination. It's that you don't remember it when you wake up. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I know, but it just feels like I, I'm. And probably the reason is not because your imagination deficient. It's because you're <laughs> you're very active, and so as soon as you wake up, you start doing something, whether it's talking or thinking about what you're going to do next, or listening to something or whatever yeah. it is. You just start it straight away. Whereas I'm much more slow to get going which probably helps yeah if I have a lion in the weekend I'll turn on a podcast and, and lie in and, and listen to one if you have a po- lion in, in, on the weekend you'll sleep late <laughs> that's like a bit true now you've just recently started sitting up and doing work in, in bed on a Sunday morning that's a really good idea mm. then you're getting the benefit of having a little bit of relaxation at the same time as getting some work done yeah that's good it's quite productive yeah I know well weekends in theory should be our most productive times shouldn't they really Mm, sometimes they are they're hard to have they're hard to hold the space back for though aren't they well also because there's always other things that want the problem to with a whole the day is it's, it's impossible to be productive for the whole day unless apart from occasionally and so and also so it is a bit of a catch too because they're the best times to see each other mm. <laughs> or, as other well. or other people yeah and it's nice to see other people I want to be in a situation where I can enjoy seeing other people without worrying about not being productive. I want to be in a, a situation where I don't have that. That would be nice. That would be the best. So, anything more about dreams? You dream a lot and you are interested in dreaming. You write about dreams in all your work. We were saying earlier on, off mic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anything else about dreams, really? No. <laughs> I don't have anything really You're to very helpful, so I <laughs> You've got some kind of creature on your foot probably sucking your blood. Wait, when did you like get interested in dreams, though? Um, I, d- 
don't know. I've always been interested. I've always had very vivid dreams, so I suppose I've always been interested in them. And I'm really interested in the concept of lucid dreaming because I dream so much, I suppose. I kind of think it's a wasted potential if you if you could use that somehow to live. Almost like having a second life, in theory. I'm interested. I don't want to talk about that too much. That's my idea for my next okay. uh, novel. But uh, that... Well, there is a, there's a TV idea. series that's come out. We should you should see it. it. Sounds like it's going to be good. Called Awake, where like he's he, he he's living like two lives, one where his wife's dead and one where his child's oh, dead. Oh yeah, yeah, I did hear about um, that. And he he's like he never sleeps. Like he just he, he every time he wakes up, it's the different life. Yeah. So it's like it's every life is one life a dream or the other life a dream. Yeah. I would be interested to see that. Yeah, I I definitely want to see that. Dreams are. Definitely a thing that that fascinate you. Mm. I like dream sequences in in books or whatever. I often don't. I like that. So I'm kind of interested in that too. What do you mean? Like I, I often find those things a bit dull. I don't know why. Because I am interested in dreams. I suppose. I suppose I'm interested to know why I find them dull and whether that is. Uh, something that could be made less dull, or, or if I haven't formulated this thought, I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't always find them very interesting. Wow. Well, okay. Can you remember any big dreams in your life? Is it, do you ever had a nightmare or anything like that? Occasionally, but nothing. I don't. I'm quite lucky in that way that I don't don't seem to get many nightmares. I don't remember any particular dream that sounds like I was haunted by a, a small. Yorkshire Terrier called Searle for a while who kept appearing in dreams and making me I think he started out making me sell all my furniture to bet on him winning a race against a load of greyhounds and then he kept coming back Oh god you were really angry about Searle every time you, you, every time you woke up in that house that we were living in at the time, you'd wake up and you'd be like, Searle was in my <laughs> dream again. Searle did this horrible thing to me and he won't leave me alone and he's in my dreams all the time. Yeah, it was, that was strange. Well, that was because we were having a really hard Yorkshire I don't know why it was a Yorkshire Terrier. Do you think it was a representation of you? You're from York. That's kind of, well, that is in Yorkshire. That's highly, kind of highly tenuous. No, I don't think it was a representation of me because I'm from Yorkshire and it was a Yorkshire Terrier. Well, why do you no. think it is then? I, know, I don't know. I don't think it was that's a very, very plausible theory either, just to make it clear. I, I don't always think that everything's symbolic in dreams. I, I often think it, it might come from a place, but the actual objects that communicate the, the emotion aren't necessarily symbolic, I don't think. I don't think it's really relevant that he was a dog. So you don't think dream interpretation there's any anything in that stuff? No, no, I think there is stuff in that, but I, I just don't know. If, um, Hi, Anna. Hello. Don't know if objects are always symbolic. Okay. So, but he's not an object. He's a dog. He's a dog. He's a character. When I say object, I mean, I mean, he had a like mischievous personality, didn't he? Didn't wasn't one time he he was disguised as another dog. I think there was one where he was a different <laughs> dog, and then it turned out that like he had like he came out of the other dog yeah, and it was a surl all the time, and you're like, it was surl. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I think one time he told you he wasn't Searle and then he said he was, I think. There was a few, like, double... You had a very complicated relationship with that dog, Searle. I'd forgotten all about that until you said that. Yeah, yeah there he you hasn't, go. He hasn't been back for a while. That was a hard, weird year. 
I talk, I talk about that with Chris Good, whenever that comes out. Uh, that was a weird year. I think you just having a dog in your dream was about... I mean, that was a good... <laughs> that, that, that's almost normal <laughs> for how to deal with that year. Although, you also had a chest infection the whole year. Maybe it was your chest infection. My chest infection was a Yorkshire te- an annoying Yorkshire Yeah, te- well, it was annoying. I mean, you literally had it for about a year, on and off. You were off sick loads and loads, and you, you were often just... I mean, it's not a pretty sight, a chest infection. Yeah. No, it wasn't. <sighs> yeah, maybe it was related to that. Yeah, maybe so was your chest infection. Well, there you go. Well, so, chest infections, dream analysis. This is a bit of after-dinner di- after conversation in our household. I guess, because we're really not married, and we're not probably not getting married, we can't really say, like, the... Pickering household or the Adamthwaite household, can we? No. Couldn't anyway, because I wasn't going to change my name. No, 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 you weren't. Yeah, so I guess we have to say from the household. Our? Our household? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> from our household. Yeah? Mm. Well, you see, you give me that face. I'm trying to round it up, but yeah. you've got to give okay. me some stuff. Sorry, back I, I was to also round. thinking about. You asked me a very big question. I was just trying to think about other significant dreams I might have had. I haven't got. Oh, any. were you? Yeah, I, I don't. Have, have you got any? any? No. <laughs> that, that's what I was trying to do. Oh wow! I always forget that you carry on thinking after <laughs> after the conversation stops. That's the thing, you know. You do, you do burrow into ideas. I think you often feel like you often sort of say you. You um. You're not quick, mm, like. Well, I'm not. Yeah, but that there isn't only one form of wit. There isn't just quick wit. There's yeah. slow wit as well. <laughs> sounds like it's I an insult. No, that sounds like it's an insult. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Mm. Like you think it over and you con- contemplate it, and then you. Apparently, that's a, a quality of a, an introvert. Is it? Well, introverts down. You'll be pleased, and the listeners, I'm de- I'm sure, will be pleased. Um, for on topics on our, our second conversation, so we'll really? we'll do that in another in another instalment. Although in that conversation was also dreams, and I feel like we shouldn't bother with dreams again because we've kind of covered dreams now. So there you go. Dream a little dream of getting better acquainted. Don't give. They can't see that life. face. If you're gonna if you're gonna diss me, you gotta diss me <laughs> audibly so they can hear it. I love the fact that you chose you choosing not to <laughs> not choosing not to. That's an introvert quality, I'm sure. So, join us again for introverts. She's laughing quietly, which encourages me, but probably is tiresome for an audience. So, do you want to say goodbye to an audience, Jen? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. Actually, it's been a pleasure getting better acquainted with you. But you, uh, yeah. Would you like to say goodbye to the audience? Goodbye. See you later. <laughs> that was weird. Are you going to put that on its own? Might do. I haven't, st- I haven't pressed stop yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely that? using that. <laughs> okay, so we're back in the garden, continuing dreams. The thing about when you live with someone is that they can go, oh, I want to do that bit again. And then <laughs> you, you can actually do that. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of what we're doing. Jen was still thinking and she hadn't been able to think of her dreams and she wished she had. So she 
went and got her diary or something. Not a diary, like a dream diary. Is it a dream diary? It's a dream diary, yeah. I don't use it all the time. I should. But she is someone who writes things down. She's a woman who writes things down. I write things on scraps of paper and I don't understand what the hell they mean. She's looking through a book with highlighter, high-lit dates and certain phrases. High-lit... Do you want to know what that means? Underlined, yeah, what does that mean? The, the dates are highlighted just because it's a good way to see where the next one starts. Yeah. And names are highlighted because I thought that was interesting. To see, because it's a quick way of looking at who crops up in dreams. Okay, then... Because I was thinking about how... The whole reason for keeping the dream diary is because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about how dreams work. And are the, the names real people? Yes, nearly always. Not Not always, always. Sometimes they're characters, sometimes they're not real people, or they're amalgamations of people, or sometimes they are a real person's name, but they're not really the person. Okay. And she's flicking through it because she wants to find some good ones, and she says she's going to skim read them, but she's actually just reading them. But she doesn't want to read them out until she finds one that she thinks is worth reading. She's been saying things like, that's quite creepy, I'm not reading that one. Or, um, this one's interesting, I okay, suppose. Go on. The reason it's interesting is because it's about smell. Okay. Which isn't something that comes up in dreams. Well, you're interested. It's in got smell. a name in it. I don't know whether I should use the name. Maybe I should. You could say blank or give them a pseudonym. It's about an X. So shall I just say X? Yeah. Okay. The first dream I remember in a great many years about X. There was a complicated plot which I can't quite get a handle on now about pinning things to a notice board outside for someone who needed them or had lost them to find. At the end of this, I met the man who had needed them, who didn't begin as, but eventually morphed into X. He hugged me. To begin with, this was in thanks for finding his things, and the plot changed, and he said something along the lines of, see you for our next anniversary then. To which I said, how long has it been? Twelve years? And then in brackets I've got, interesting, because this is correctly how long it has been since I briefly went out with X. However, somehow I knew his age was 34, which was wrong. In real time, he would now be 31. In this hug, I recognised X from his smell, a mixture of leather jackets, pubs, back in the days when you could smoke in them, garlic, and some kind of men's aftershave, slash gel, slash deodorant. At the end of his hug, he touched my back beneath my t-shirt, a gentle, soft touch, but his hands were incredibly cold. And it was this, I think, that woke me up. I'm especially interested in this dream because of the sense of smell and the coldness, and also because I correctly worked out the amount of time it had been. When was this then that you wrote that? When you had that dream? Uh, August 2010. Jesus, that's why it's good to write things down. I should be more organised. Why can't I be an organised thinker? Those are the ones I'm interested in, where there's there's some kind of sense or reading I'm quite interested in. So that was about your ex-boyfriend? The main one? No. Uh, The other one? Yeah. Okay. And you're interested in smell generally. It's a, it's a sense but that But it's interested. not something that comes up in dreams very often. You don't dream about smell very often? Well, I don't dream... It's not a sense that I woke up thinking that's, that's a recognising factor of... Certainly not. I can't remember ever dreaming about a smell or even a taste. I don't... That I do, might be the only time. I, I don't think I can remember tastes. I, there's sen- sensation dreams, of course, because there's wet dreams or whatever... That's the only sensation I can think of in a dream that I've ever had. It's always sight, sound. Yeah, no other normally, senses. normally sight and sound. 
Some, yeah, occasionally touch, more touch than anything, than any of the others. This one, I don't know if this is interesting. This is a fevered one. Well, you had a fever? Yeah, I mean, it says here, about to have another day off sick. My dreams were fevered again. In one, a full-sized heron was darting about in flight but super low at ankle height, trying to catch silverfish in the carpet. <laughs> it kept gashing at my ankles with its beak in the process. I think I was bleeding. In God. another, I was trying to ring in sick, but my phone had turned into a games console and was projecting a game onto the mirror by the bed. I have only fla a flash of another in which a child was saying one of my front teeth, which is, in real life, slightly stained, was striped like a tiger. Wow. You often have dreams like that, don't you? Like, where they kind of personify illness. Like, that's why I thought so might be your... your yeah, your, um, fever dreams are quite interesting. Because it's interesting, you're slashing your legs. Yeah. Did we? Did you have rash at the time on your legs? Uh, I don't. I didn't write that down. And I think I probably would have had it. It'd been relevant. Okay. All right. Interesting. So you. Okay. You're very conscientious about this. It's good. Um, How long did you do that for? What the diary? Yeah. Um. I did it all the time when I was trying to, trying to manipulate my dreams. So that was the, a big chunk of the research period of, of the novel that you're writing now. Yeah. Because you did about a year of. It, was it a year of research or maybe more? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, probably more. So important, though. It's really interesting how important it has been to your process with all that re all that research because it's just been coming together again in different ways today, hasn't it? I suppose, oh, I found the ones where I've deliberately tried to dream about something, yeah, but I don't think it's necessarily relevant. Well, in fact, I don't think it is. So on this day, it says I deliberately tried to dream about Monet's poppies. While falling asleep, I dreamt that I was in the poppy field and a man in a hoodie who was kind of Dave, but who was also someone scarier than Dave. <laughs> ran, scarier than me. That's all right then. Ran up to me and grabbed a bag of apples out of my hand. This really frightened me and I woke up. This was about the same time that I woke up screaming that time. Remember oh that? Oh my God, that was horrific. And I couldn't remember why. Like, I had no idea. I just woke us both up by screaming. Oh man, <laughs> that scared the hell out of me. <laughs> Uh -oh. So this same day with the, the poppies, yeah. I could see a milk bottle under the kitchen radiator. It was blue t a blue-topped plastic two-litre bottle and it was full. I thought it needed moving and, that, and then I thought, I'm dreaming, so that means I can move this. But then when I thought that, I woke up. I tried to go back to sleep to move it in my dream, but I couldn't do it. I only thought about it. People say listening to other people's dreams is boring. Do you think that's true? I don't know. I mean, people are always saying it's about as interesting as listening to someone's dreams. But I find dreams really interesting. Like, there's been, like, Sigmund Freud. It's been, everyone's been interested in dreams for bloody ages. Your dreams are really interesting to me. Because I know you, I guess, quite well. And so they kind of say a lot more, maybe, to me than they might do so if I heard someone else's dream. My I friend, our, our mutual friend Clive's dreams are always really interesting stuff and he has really complicated narratives in his dreams yeah it? narratives make things engaging don't they yeah and also i think when you can relate them to real life in some way what these ones are all kind of interesting because i'm trying to do something so there's to do with lucid dream, trying to lucid dream or there's to do with trying to look at the poppies they're part of process aren't they they're yeah. like it's theory and practice and they're part of the practice part of the theory so it's interesting in relation to it yeah and this one Apparently, I was trying to dream about Renoir's umbrellas. Well, there's lots of dogs in the background. <laughs> it was my wedding, but it wasn't a normal wedding. The only thing that really made it a wedding was that I was wearing a wedding dress. I was climbing up a hill with a concrete path, a bit like at Greenwich, and it was a sunny day. As I walked up, someone from uni was taking a photo. She didn't know I was there. I walked into the photo. 
none of it's really relevant to the <laughs> umbrellas at all. And then there's another one I tried to dream about, Dali's Broken Bridge in the Dream. But I don't think anything... So you never actually managed... I didn't try to do those. But you wrote it down that you tried to. Yeah. But then a couple of days after all those, I was in some... I dreamt that I was in some kind of art gallery. So I guess I kind of influenced it. Yeah. But it was also some kind of test that involved a climbing frame. It was a kind of triangular wall thing that you had to climb over and people had to start at different times. This meant that the person who started first could never win and would always come last. I don't really understand how that works, it says in brackets. But it was like an art gallery as well, and it seemed to be that you had to show how you would design your art gallery space if you had one. We were kind of using this wall in creative ways, and people were painting over their name plaques. I don't exactly remember what happened, but I watched people paint over their photographs in gold, and I thought, I would never have thought of that. <laughs> it's always weird when places change in dreams, or faces change, or people, and you start, and you're like, and then that person became yeah. that person. Yeah, I guess that's why people don't find them interesting because often they're not narrative enough. No. So it's, it's like, well, I've got nothing to go on here. And I don't think you always have the words to describe them either. Yeah. They sort of transcend language almost sometimes. For sure. Well, because they, well, I, I think because we don't have the words to describe anything, but a dream is completely interior information. It's no external, is there? It's like if you're in a conversation, you're. It's happening, it's happening in that moment and you're bouncing off each other, but a dream is like a monologue and so it's very much just someone's internal thoughts. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit like our what I fear our conversations are like in that we know each other so well that we use shorthand and dreams are sh your brain shorthand with yourself. Yeah, I guess so. And so when for you it's... Interesting. It's relevant. Somebody else's, somebody else's shorthand. Well, also, is maybe it becomes relevant when you start making those connections, whereas it's not necessarily if those connections haven't been made. Nobody wants to work to understand what somebody else is talking about, do they? Yeah. When it's not relevant to them. Absolutely. That's why. That's why the important, most important thing I think about language is to communicate. Yeah. And like where I fail, I think as a writer, when I fail as a writer, is is as a communicator. Like if if I if 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 I'm if someone isn't enjoying what I've done, I haven't communicated it properly. I think, generally. I guess there's a couple more that might be relevant, and then that's it. One of them, Matt, rang me to tell me that Alan Moore really liked my graphic novel. Matt, who's Matt? <laughs> that's why I used his name because I knew that, <laughs> that was something. That he told me that this wasn't really the great news. The great news was that somebody, or the shepherd, who was famous in the dream but doesn't really exist in real life, also really liked it. While I was having this phone call with Matt, I was in a garden which I know to be your dad's. He had a murky pond lined with vertically sliced courgettes which were beginning to rot. In the pond, baby sweet corn leapt in and out of the water like salmon. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> And uh, the next one, we've been listening to a Kings of Convenience album and one of the songs has the lyrics, The Weight of Your Words. This resulted in a dream that I can't remember very clearly now about having to weigh my novel instead of getting a word count to check the weight of the words I'd written. Jesus, that's <laughs> kind of complicated psychological insight. Uh, yeah. What was the one about the, the beans on your legs or something you said? I don't remember that. I wrote about that on my blog once, years ago. It was something to do with I had grapes growing on my legs. I, I think I had to harvest them or pull them off or something but the, the sensation was really horrible and I woke up like feeling like I had grapes still on my legs uh, is that, was that to do with a rash? could have been, I don't know I don't, don't think I'd made that parallel then this is quite a few years ago Yeah. I wasn't really thinking about them too much then I don't think 
I had one dream where I thought I'd solved everything in my novel and I'd had the perfect solution and I woke up thinking that's absolutely it, that, that solves everything. And then when I actually thought about what it was, it was to write the whole novel on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. You woke up, you were so happy and then like half an hour later you were in the worst mood ever. It's like you had, had the, the, yeah, you were, that morning you were in the happiest mood for ages and then you were in the worst mood for ages. It was very surprising morning. <laughs> Uh. Yeah. I don't know if any of that's interesting. It's interesting to me. I think it's going to be interesting. I think because it's a conversation about dreams, and so they are more examples than anything else. Yeah. I think it probably will be interesting. I'm going to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't use it if it's not. Well, when I listen to it, I'll I'll make the decision or, or whatever, and then when I put it out, if I put it out, then the the audience will make the decision. You can't please everyone with everything. I mean, I think you know. That's not what this project really is it's about, pleasing the audience exactly. It's sharing with an audience, introducing them to new people. And they're not always going to like those people. And sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. And sometimes they'll, they'll like them, but they won't be interested in that topic. Or, mm. you know, that's just, it, that's what people are like. And, and I'm interested in all the people. That's what I find fascinating about it. And I hope that there'll be other people like me that, that are also interested in all the people. Yeah, well, definitely. I think I'm interested in all the people. Yeah. Even the ones you don't know. Yeah. That was the test, really. That was. I think that's the test for everybody. I think people come for the people they know quite often. Mm. A lot of people have. I mean, as it's getting broader, the audience, then I guess there are lots of people out there now who who don't know any of the people. And I think that's that, that's definitely, statistic, you know, the stats, as such as they are, suggest that. Mm. So... Hello, people who, who I don't know. I'm glad that you're liking my series, if you're liking it. And please tell everybody about it, please. Because it's properly, like, changing my life, and uh, I'm really pleased with it. And so, on that kind of note, is there anything more you'd like to, to say about no, dreams? Because I don't, I don't want to turn it off and then turn it on again. It'd be like our wedding. Off and then on again, off and then on again. Yeah, I'm done. We're not married. That sounded like we'd got married. We haven't got married. Are we going to get married? No. I'm using up all the conversational topics from the second conversation. I think, well, let's not talk about that now. Because that's, that is, if, if that's, that's going to be interesting. It's, it's, it's his own topic. You're right. Well, is there anything, I guess you, know, you should plug your work. No. You should always try and get something no, out of coming on this show. <laughs> well, you're at www.jadamthwaite.co.uk. I am. You can always tell when someone hasn't got that much money because they'll have co.uk rather than com. All mine are co.uk's too. Is that what it's it is? It's more expensive com, yeah. Oh, interesting. I yeah. co.uk. I do too. I do too. And I guess in that way, we're both patriots. <laughs> Not in very many other ways. So, uh, let's try it again. Would you like to say goodbye to the audience? Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>So I thought it would be nice to play a performance of one of Jen's stories at the end of this conversation about dreams and writing. The story isn't exactly about dreams, but I think you'll see how it chimes with a lot of the themes of what we've been talking about. It was recorded at a show that I run called Stand Up Tragedy earlier this year, and it was performed by Louise, who's been on a couple of Getting Better Acquaintance, if you want to hear her talking as herself. In this piece, she is talking in character, but the character is also called Louise, which was a deliberate thing to confuse people on the night. So now 
we're going to have Louise Adams reading The House That Jack Built. Is that about right? I'll yes. take that as a yes. Um, hi, my name's Louise. I'm here to tell you a story. Um, my mum asked me to tell you this story, and since she died, I feel like it's something that I really have to do. Um, she had a stroke, um, and after her stroke, she was left with um, cerebromedular spinal disconnection, which is known as locked-in syndrome. Um, it meant that she couldn't speak, she couldn't eat or move, um, and although her mind was working completely fine, she was effectively trapped in her own body, and she spent the last couple of years of her life in hospital. Um, however, she um, did learn to communicate through blinking. Um, we would read the alphabet to her, and she would um, indicate the letter by blinking, and she wrote this story, um, which I'm going to tell you now. Um, so these are her last words. She couldn't speak, but this is her voice. The house that Jack built. The bedroom is our den. The carpet is the softest you've ever felt beneath your feet. Years we spent saving up for it. We argued a bit about the colour, but in the end he agreed that beige was less risky than cream. It infuriated him, the idea that we'd have something that wasn't perfect in our lives. Sometimes I think I can feel it on my toes, even though I couldn't feel it now if you wrap me up in it. Jack always said a bedroom should be a place you'd be happy to be trapped in if it came to it. You don't want to be sick in a house you hate, he used to say. <coughs> I don't suppose he ever imagined that either of us would be this sick. He liked to be prepared for the worst, though. This is a man who insisted on keeping an apocalypse cupboard. That's actually what he called it. It was full of cans of things we wouldn't normally eat. Tinned peaches, rice pudding, sardines. I used to date some of it secretly when they were collecting for food parcels from the church. I float around the house on the loneliest days, like an old lost ship. It's amazing what you can recall when recall is all you've got. It feels more real than reality most of the time. The slide of the bathroom door followed by the clink of the lock, the creak on the fifth stair, the photo of Louise above the hall table. We have to sell it now. What choice is there? You can go anywhere in your head, but I always end up at home. I can't resist it. The alternative is reality. Mint custard walls and thin pink curtains. Nurses I can't ask to speak more quietly, and the towering shadow of the drip beside the bed. My living room is my favorite place in the world. The cherry mantelpiece, hand-carved. It took him years. I didn't think he'd finish it. And then it was my birthday, probably about six years after he'd started it. I'd gone to my mother's for a few days, and when I got back, there it was. A great roaring fire framed in the surround like a painting. The look on his face. You could tell it was worth all the splinters, those long Sundays locked in the garage. Jack busied himself with a dining room after my stroke. He told me that himself. Not that he thought I could hear him, Talk to her, the doctor said, and I could almost hear him rolling his eyes. He was always like that. We had a cat years ago, and he refused to speak to her. What's the point in talking to something that doesn't understand you, he would say. I'm here, I screamed over and over again. Please find me, I'm here. But he never did. 
I thank God for small mercies. I know that room better than I know the back of my own hand. I can visit it any time. He even made the curtains, would you believe? Not many people can say their husbands made their curtains. I chose the fabric, of course. You can't trust a man with fabric. They only end up copying their mothers. He wanted this house to be his, ours. I used to joke that it would never be finished, that as soon as we got anywhere near to finishing it, he'd take it all apart and start again. It wasn't all that much of a joke. Louise says he never finished the dining room. She can't bear to go round. It's like watching your childhood crumble, she says. I asked her if she'd wanted to live there. It's all paid off, you see, but she just wants it gone. I'd like to know that one of us could still live there, but, well, I understand. In the end, the less he believed I could hear him, the more he'd talk. It's like he became desperate, as though he'd run through his can't talk to things that don't understand barrier and come crashing out the other side. Then he was talking to me more than he would have, would have if he thought I was conscious. He said the house felt enormous without me, like a haunted old mansion, he said, except the ghosts are in my head. I'd will my hand to reach out and touch him, anything to let him know, but nothing would move. He was unravelling, and I was a sodding statue. We understood one another, he said once. And then there was a silence thick as smoke. When he breathed in, it was like he was sucking all the air out of the room. You understood me like no one else could, he said eventually, and now you don't even know I'm here. I'd have sold my soul and his to let him know. Inside, I was tearing at my skin to be let out, but on the outside, nothing showed. They didn't tell me for months. Well, they didn't know I was in there, did they? It was an agency nurse who picked up on the blinking. It takes a fresh pair of eyes sometimes. The problem is, this thing's so rare. It was too late by the time they realised. Much too late. The last day I saw him must have been a Sunday, because Songs of Praise was on the telly. The telly's on all day. I suppose they think it fills the silence. No one asks me what channel I would like. He looked worse than I'd ever seen him. Didn't look like he'd washed in days. He cried. He actually cried. The first tear in 37 years of marriage and I couldn't even bloody wipe it for him. And then that was it. He never came back. I visit the house every day from the inside of my head. Only instead of looking out at the street, I look in at our lives. It's perfect when I'm awake, but when I'm asleep, things happen. Dreams are a curse, you can't control them. The wallpaper peels, plaster falls from the ceiling like dandruff. His mantelpiece is cracked and mildewed. I walk around calling his name, and then I wake hot and frightened, dying to sit up and catch my breath. But I lie, corpse still, and stare at the hospital ceiling. The sinister crack creeping above my bed. I was as good as dead when he thought I was a vegetable. He was all on his own, and there was nothing he could do about it. Jack needed to be in control. Always did. I knew before they told me. You couldn't miss something like that. Louise just went silent. She was always the one who was good at talking to me, keeping me up to date on what was going on. 
telling me funny stories about people at work or giving me the latest instalment on the neighbours. The first day she came in and didn't say our word, I knew it had to be her dad. She just held onto the bedclothes and screwed up her lips. When they realised I was functioning, mentally I mean, one of the nurses told me. Louise wasn't up to it. Tablets apparently, massive overdose. They said there was a tally chart, how many had taken, what kinds. Only Jack would keep a running total. Only Jack. Now this is all I have, this place in my head. The place my Louise grew up. This is the house that Jack built. It's all that's left of him now. That story was written by Jenny Adamthway, and you can read a lot more of her fiction and follow her blogs at www.jadamthwaite.co.uk. Jadamthwaite.co.uk. And you can follow her on Twitter at jadamthwaite or jadamthwaite, as I like to say. Louise Adams is a performer with the Big Wheel Theatre Company and a freelance workshop leader. She, her current projects include Les Raconteurs, storytelling events in French and Spanish, and monthly French cabaret, Soiree Pompette. Now's a good time to mention that next Thursday, Thursday the 8th of November, I'll be doing a talk about In Conversation podcasts at the Invisible Picture Palace in Wapping. So if you go to www.invisiblepicturepalace.com, in fact, you don't even need the W, I think, and you click on events, then you can find that talk that I'm giving and you can buy tickets. They cost £3 in advance or £4 on the door. And it'd be great to have you there. I'm going to be recording it as an extra for this show. Also, at the Invisible Picture Palace later this month, I'm going to be doing five nights of conversations from the 16th to the 21st of November and they're all going to be really good conversations some returning guests some new guests all very exciting and in front of an audience that you can be one of there's a limited amount of spaces though so book in advance if you want to make sure that you get a place you can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast you can find it on Facebook it's Getting Better Acquainted have a search on Facebook and like it or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app that you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.